Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. My name is Jeffrey Zakarian, and you're listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian from iHeartRadio. In Four Courses, I'll be taking you along for the ride while I talk with the top talent of our time. In each conversation, I focus on four different areas from my guest's life and career. And during those four courses, I'm going to dig deep and uncover new insights and inspirations that we can all use to fuel ourselves to push forward. My guest for this episode is an internationally renowned party and event planner. She's planned weddings and other events for none other than Billy Joel, LeBron and Savannah James, and the Rockefeller family, and also yours truly. And according to many, she's the best in the world at it. Without further delay, let's get into my conversation with Marcy Bloom. Hi. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Jeffrey. (laughs) For our first course, I wanted to understand Marcy's roots as a kid growing up in the Bronx. It turns out that her understanding of what made a successful party started in the kitchen with her mom. When you were a kid, I know your mom was a great hostess. Like what were, what were the things in the house? Like I say around six or seven years old, I remember my, the smells. And I ask everybody this question, what was, what's cooking? What is the lingering smell in your household that was food related and that you can remember till today? Probably brisket for the holidays. Brisket or my mother's big holiday was Thanksgiving. And my mother was not only extraordinary hostess, she really was an extraordinary cook. And my father had uh, delusions of it being a kosher house. So my mother did her best because she wasn't raised that way, but he was. So that she took courses from Simone Beck and James Beard 
and all of those people other than Julia, but but Simone, as you know, is Julia's, you know, writing and cooking partner. And uh, she would come home and try to make these extraordinary French recipes, kosher, which is hilarious because there's not one piece of meat that doesn't have cream or butter or anything, which is verboten. But she did a pretty good job and she was a great baker as well. So I grew up with the television pulled into the kitchen, you know, to watch Julia Child as we were having dinner. And so to me, a long answer to a short question, but I think, you know, when I started my business, people would say, well, you know, especially vis-a-vis weddings. Well, really, who? nobody expects food to be good at weddings. And I was so horrified by that. I was like, how could you have an event, spend this kind of money and that kind of time and, and think that the food is is doesn't matter? I mean, it was completely irrational to me because that's how I was raised. The party always started with the food. It had to look pretty, but it always started with the food. So your mom's cooking brisket. You remember the brisket smell in the house, which, by the way, with the spices and some vinegar and stuff could last a long time in That's the walls. That's true, I would, I, I would assume. <laughs> I'm still washing it out of my hair, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so that's very, it's, that's, you know, I'm getting hints here now. So Simone Beck, rarefied French food, Julia Child uh, as sort of like a codependent in the household, two kosher parents. Your dad is a wholesale supplier, so he got the food wholesale, so you guys could spend a lot of cash on stuff because it was cheap. Yeah, he's right? a wholesale food supplier, and as I said, yeah. I think I was 18 the first time I saw a number two can of tuna, because I thought everything came in number 10 tins. So I thought it was for a doll's house. I was like, what is that cute little two ounce can of tuna? <laughs> so you could experiment and it was fine because you had like, it was an endless supply. What a wonderful thing. Exactly. <laughs> and my mother was the only person, you know, we lived in Riverdale. We lived in a nice apartment, but it certainly wasn't palatial. But she had two freezers and most of my friends Two freezers. She would bake and freeze and bake and freeze. And she was a full-time teacher. So she did this all in her after hours. Yeah. So you're very much, you're entertained and you had this, I mean, that's a rarefied sort of thing, right? Two Jewish parents raising someone with a distinctively French mode of operandi, sort of. And was your mom the entertainer that you are? Was she sort of like... Was she at all inclined to have large parties or was she just someone that would just have a five or six top over? No, she would, you know, she would, with my father's family, we would split the holidays. So my mother's holiday was Thanksgiving. And so there would probably be 20, 22 uh, people. And she would be working on it for a really long time, cutting out recipes. You know, you didn't download them then. They were... (laughs) and uh, clipping things and uh, buying new cookbooks and taking them out of the library and deciding on the menu. And then as I got older and was able to participate, she and I would do it together and come up with, you know, like four different kinds of cranberry something that we would serve. We really had a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing it. And this is before I went to culinary school. So what was, so give me a menu, give me a very successful turkey cooking tip that you still use and where did it derive from? Was it you, your mom, your it's dad, my mother, the turkey? And I think she went through a lot of different yeah. permutations on how to cook turkey. I remember about 10 years ago, all my friends were deep frying and then they were uh, 
not Awful. pickling, brining. And then, you know, brining. every time you go somewhere, you go, oh my God, can you just roast fucking turkey and leave us alone? <laughs> but, um, but she, at the end of the day, it was the long and slow. I think it was maybe 300 degrees, maybe, you know, and it was in there and it was a giant thing and it was in there. You have to take all the other shelves out of the oven. Nothing else could go <laughs> in at the see. same time, right? And it would it would be in there for many, many, many hours. So she'd get up at 6 a.m., put it in, and, you know, if Thanksgiving was at 2, it would be coming out long enough to, you know, sit and, and uh, be ready. How did you bake the other stuff? Was it the day before? No, you'd have to, <laughs> you know, to get the turkey out, put everything else in the oven. And then later on, uh, I think we got one of those fabaware or whatever, you know, second ovens. And it's so funny that you say that because I am in the midst of doing my kitchen for the first time ever. And I've always wanted to do this. And one of my clients was kind enough to, to give me a donation because I said I wanted a wolf oven. So I have, so I'm finally doing it. And all I care about is having, I want two wall ovens and an under oven. Cause I, it, yeah, that's all I care about. Well, you need it. You need it to entertain. You have to have a warming oven. You're going to have a finishing oven and you're going to have the main event oven. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's what I have at this, at my house too. In our second course, I had to find out what drew Marcy into the planning business. After studying acting in high school, she moved to a farming commune in Vermont when she was 16, and it quickly went south. I had been living on a commune. It broke up. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I, you know, I went and sat in my parents' apartment and watched uh, Let's Make a Deal for a year. And my parents were like, well, this is not okay. It's one thing, we don't see you for five years, but then you come back and you take over the house and so my brother was living in Paris, short story. And uh, he said, why don't you apply to Cordon Bleu because you love to cook. And anyway, they accepted me. I went to Cordon Bleu and I was, it was like, a, a, I was reborn. I was never a very talented chef, but I loved to cook. And it was, and you only get that, in my opinion, a couple of times in your life, really, that that true love and joy for something. And, and you know, that is really a gift from the universe because you can't get enough of it. You know, you go to sleep with stacks of cookbooks next to your bed and, and you know, post-its. And I mean, Gourmet Magazine, I would read it, you know, it was like Anna Karenina. I would just like every <laughs> single, you know, every single recipe, every single aspect. I mean, it was just, I could not get enough. And, and, and it wasn't, as you know, it wasn't very chic then. You know, it was no. nice to be a cook. And, and even when I went to CIA later, you know, the, the chefs would say, which, of course, now they would never have the nerve to say, you know, you're going to make such a great wife because, you know, how to cook. Know. You know? <laughs> I think it's fascinating that, you know, I think you and I went to, uh, and we really found our calling in the food world, you more hospitality than myself. But basically we're in theater. This is theater. It's the theater of the absurd, actually. But it's, it is theater, right? As in, I think that you as, an, as a world-class event planner must be asked, I want the most absurd, the most incredible, and you are like relying on your balance of experience just starting out. Uh, what was it that made you sort of say, listen, I don't want to do cut the cakes, the bride takes the cake, the blah, blah, blah. The, the, you know, the, it's like up until 40 years ago, it was the same, you know, you just, it was the, number one or two in the blue book. Check the box, send me the check and show up on time. And do you want the chicken or the prime rib? You know, 
When did you when did you say, you know what, this is I'm gonna shake things up? I guess I think I was too stupid to even know that things needed to be shook up. I I didn't understand that that's how it went, you know, and I was so into food and I was so into hospitality and my personal experience. People are spending, let's say when I started, they were spending a couple hundred thousand now, <laughs> you know, many millions of dollars. If you're spending that kind of money and all you're looking at is, is the decor, you're missing if not half, three quarters of the rest of it. So how do you bring that experience? What makes it special? And I, you know, borrow, steal, plagiarize. I mean, the first time you go to uh, Alain Ducasse's restaurant in uh, Monaco and you see that bread cart, you're like, okay, why can't we do that for a party? Why can't we do that for a wedding? Why not? Yeah. And you know, caterers are always, I was like, no, that's not an answer. Like, why not? Why not try it? And you see the delight on guest faces like, I can't believe we have a bread cart or I can't believe, you know, someone thought to give me a place card and seat me next to people who I would find interesting rather than default with my, you know, wife, husband, significant other. Like, how cool is that? Someone actually thought about my experience. It sounds like you've got a lot of of these eccentricities from your mom. mom. Didn't your mom used to serve like, different kinds of scotch. If everyone liked different scotch, she would serve. I read a story about that. It sounds like she was catering to each person, which is kind of brilliant. And I'm so, you know, look, on occasion I've had clients, luckily not for many years, and, you know, who would be just serve good wine at our table or just serve the champagne at our table. And I know that probably is extraordinary to you, but it happens all the time. And I would be, if I were a guest and walked past your table... And so the DP on your table and I was drinking, even if it was Vuv, it's not the point. The fact that you care so little about the guest experience would be horrifying to me. And and to your point, my, you know, we I had two uncles and two other men who always part of the family who would come to these things. And my mother would go out every year and she would buy like four different kinds of scotch. And, and the same thing, Coke and Pepsi. And yep. when I got married, my now former stepson wouldn't eat turkey or anything. She would go and get the absolute best steak. You know, she would let it rest and and would broil it for him, right? But that's just how she rolled. And I just never saw it any other way, you know, luckily for me and my clients. (laughs) You started around 86, I believe, really doing it for like seriously. I mean, that is virtue. There's a, a lot of very high-profile weddings that went on before. What would people do before that was sort of what was considered over the top pre-Marcy Bloom events? What was over the top and was you know, it very, put, I suppose, predictable? In the middle of the table, you know, and some of my colleagues and some of my very talented designer friends, that's what they would do. It would just be as if someone vomited flowers or, you know... And my line that I always say is, you know, if you're only looking at that when you're planning an event, particularly a wedding, it's like you took uh, Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie home and they just lay there. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. And many events I've gone to, it's, it's suffocating the amount of flowers and you can't see, you can't see anyone. You can't see the person across from you. There's no subtlety. There's no 
it's just one shot. There's no art, you know, artistry. There's no, there's no theater. No. Mm-mm. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. For our third course, I knew that Marcy could share some incredibly event planning insights. I wanted to know what goes through her head as she balances her big picture vision for an event with her ongoing checklist of small tasks. She said it all boils down to one important shift in her perspective. You have to walk it through as if you're a guest, not as if you're the host or a bride or a groom, because you're always going to get taken care of. You are a guest from the moment you pull up in your Uber or you're driving your car. What's going on? Is someone opening the car door? Is uh, someone escorting you inside or to the place to give your coat away, which, by the way, one of the things that makes me cuckoo is lines for the coat room. You have to have runners. You have to have people just take your coat, 
and give you a ticket and they can worry about it in the back of the house, even if it's mayhem, which it most often is. I don't care. But when's your first drink? And what is it? What are you listening to? What, what are the lights? What makes you feel that someone's happy that you are there? Specifically, you are there. Is um, someone greeting you, even if it's not the host and hostess who are you know, presumably too busy, especially if you're about to get married, but someone from my team, someone from another hospitality team. And then what happens? Are you confused about where to go? Are you confused about where the restrooms are? Is someone standing in the vestibule when you leave the restroom, go, let me show you where the dining room is, or let me show you where the Mm -hmm. cocktail are. All the things that, you know, people are, they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't like to feel insecure, certainly not when they're arriving in an event. So you want to mitigate any confusion about where they're going, who they're with. You don't want someone on a line for hours looking for their escort card, which makes people panic because they think that maybe there was a mistake and they're not (laughs) on that table and you see people's eyes. You see them pale. So you always have people there with iPads. I mean, just, just tell me your name. Don't bother looking for that or I'll hand it to you later. You have to be sort of, you know, nurtured and nestled around at every single moment. So, and then when you plan the movement of the evening, well, I want to get my first dance out of the way because I'm really nervous, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but if you get your first dance out of the way, and then I thought, and then we'll just sit down. But that's not fair to people because once you start dancing, people want to dance. So even though that looks to you like it would make you most comfortable, why don't we look about what you would feel as a guest? And when I work with difficult people who don't want to say it, but really don't care about what they, what happens with the guest, I will say, well, you know, I've never met anybody, bridegroom, host, hostess, who's happy when their guests are not happy. So why don't we, why don't we try to turn it around and see the guest experience first? We're going to take care of you. You are not the issue. It's the rest of these people. So in other words, it's basically... You want to seduce the guest. It's not about the guest. Get seduced already. You're throwing a party for the guest. And the bride and groom have the privilege of throwing a party. Kind of turn it on the tail, right? And I don't think a lot of people think of it like that. The same way if you're doing, you know, at a rehearsal dinner, it's, it's uh, you know, classic. Now it's a little trite to do a montage of some sort, you know, almost like a bar mitzvah, like photographs. And I'm always saying to people, include as many photos of the other people in the room. Nobody wants to look at your photos unless it's your grandmother, right? For more than three minutes. But when I'm included, I go, oh my God, look, that's when we were in the Amalfi Coast together. That, it reminds people why they're there, why you have them there. And it's just, you know, so, such an easy Thing to do. It's not the the narcissism of these events is what is poison, and it doesn't have to be. And people, as often because people aren't thinking, not that they don't care, they're just not thinking. Yeah, and your job is to is to sort of focus them on stuff they would never think of, uh, because you are really throwing an event. It is not you're not you're not marrying them; they're getting married, but you're throwing them an event to commemorate that. That's everything. Is that guest experience? It's like if they're not seduced, the party's going to suck. Exactly. And you could spend, you know, you could be serving truffles that were just, you know, flown in from Alba over the most extraordinary pasta. It doesn't matter unless they feel nurtured and wanted and part of this community that you're creating, even if it's just for the night. It's not going to fly. Not going to fly. 
And it's really, what you said is really important. I think a lot of people don't understand. Like when you have a restaurant, you know, we have practice nights and then we we launch, right? And then we launch and then we every day we like trundle along. We try to do what we're supposed to do. We do it well. Once in a while we stumble and then the next day we do it better. With a wedding, with an event, people are spending millions of dollars. You basically have 90 minutes to get it right or you, your reputation is like shot. It's not, no one's coming back tomorrow. I mean, the worst thing that someone could say is like, that was nice, right? <laughs> someone once told me you can spend as much money as you want and no one is going to talk about anything other than how much shrimp there was at the table, at the buffet table. <laughs> and standing by the kitchen, right? Exactly. No one's going to, that's what, that's all they care about, you know? So I got to, I got to ask these questions because I know we all, we've had like, you know, things didn't go well and all that. How do you pull out of a disaster or have you had some close calls where I'm not talking about lightning hitting or rain hitting. I mean, that's just like a way it is. I'm talking about like clients who are just one step away from, you know, being pushed into moving traffic. I mean, I've had it. I've had it often. I certainly had it much worse when I was younger in my business. When I had less gravitas, I'm a little you know, more obnoxious now if they do that. But I, one of, you know, we have uh, in our office a giant blown up copy of an email from a client. And this is, this is really interesting. I was trying to create a very different kind of dining scenario, which I'll explain to you quickly. And I just, I couldn't grasp it. They wanted to do coarse served food, almost like dim sum, but they didn't want to seat people at regular tables. And it was just very, very difficult. And finally, and the, the bride's father, who is a tough cookie, we're now friends, but man, every day he called me, he's like, I can't believe this. Like, you know, like, where's the numbers? Where's the this? I said, it's not that I'm not working on you. I just, I cannot get the concept. And finally, like in the middle of the night, I had this epiphany and, and we designed it basically after, uh, what's it called? HMF, in the Breakers, that yes. restaurant yeah. where the tables are 28 inches high instead of 30 inches high. And consequently, you can actually have a full meal sitting on a couch without putting it on your lap because you can actually lean on the table and cut and eat. It's, it's extraordinary. Teeny little detail that changes everything. And then we sat people in like pods or lounges as opposed to tables. So like, you know, there's uh, two couches, two settees, da, 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 we figured out. And then, and that's how we did. And it was one of the best weddings I've ever done. And I have an email from the father, the bride, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. I cannot <laughs> believe, you know, you people are extraordinary. And and I said to him, I said, it's not that you were wrong. I could understand you being nervous. But I, and I always say to people now, I say to my clients, I was like, don't ask to see my homework because I'm not going to show you the long division. You just just count on the fact that it's going to be wonderful. It just sometimes it takes me a while to get there. And it's not, you know, it's just for lack of inspiration, not for lack of trying. No, and it's also what you said was really crucial there is that the skill set that you need to have now versus 40 years ago is extraordinary. I mean, you're, you're, you're a communicator, you're a Svengarli, you're a, you're a chef, you're a psychotherapist, 
You're a hostage negotiator. Epidemiologist. Yeah, I'm epidemiologist. <laughs> and I'm also meant to be an expert on MERV-13 and HEPA filters as of uh, last week. As recently. Yeah. I've been adding every year to my resume. It's extraordinary. I'm a, a technical engineer and an epidemiologist. I would think, though, that the skills set of someone like yourself, because I, I know how rare it is, there can't be too many people that do what you do with sort of the background that you've come about it with. I mean, I mean, you have to have like real, you know, balls of steel to listen to these people because I have the same people at my restaurant. I don't know how you deal with them. How do you deal with difficult, these difficult people that have money? And I, I don't mean that money and difficulty go together. Sometimes they do, sometimes, sometimes they don't. But how do you deal with someone who thinks they know everything? I'll tell you, there's two different possibilities here. And I've had a bunch of difficult clients who actually were smarter than I am. And that's a different kind of uh, obnoxious. I mean, we did, uh, let's say, you know, Donnie Deutsch's 50th birthday, right? And he was always, you know, Marcy, what about this? And I would be, he's so obnoxious. The end of the day, he taught me a lot, you know? So you have to be, I think arrogance, as you know, is is basically, you know, the killer of maybe, you know, just about everybody, but certainly any entrepreneur. I think my lack, maybe my my personal insecurity and my lack of that kind of arrogance has really stood me well. So when it's difficult people, I really have to think for a second before I before I'd be like, screw you, I have to be like, well, wait a minute, do they know something that maybe I haven't learned? Yet? <laughs> Half the time my filter is I'm sitting there going, mortgage payments. <laughs> Ah. trip to Italy, you know, that's sometimes that's the only way to get through it, right? You know, you can't sell anything just based on my being obnoxious. I have to let people make their own decisions. At the end of the day, it's their wedding, it's their party, it's their money. I will never say, but how could you uh, ever? That's not my, my business is to be a chameleon and make their experience their experience as fabulous as it can be. I am not in the business of telling people what to do unless it pertains to safety or, uh, you know, just outright stupidity. Like, no, you can't make your guests walk 30 blocks. You have to give them <laughs> <laughs> transportation. It's just not nice. You, I, I, I would imagine the conversations when you're brought into someone says, we want to, we don't get married. We're going to hire you. This is what we want. That first conversation until the wedding must be like a remarkable sneak peek into their life. No question. Of- and and I could tell you maybe within 92% chance of who's going to last and who isn't. On occasion, I'm wrong. But, but certainly the process of planning a wedding is extremely indicative of uh, the inner workings of their relationship for sure. Yeah. You have some rules you taught me. Like what are the rules of a good Give me some timing issues because people get lost in weddings and it just drags on and it's just an awful. Give me the rules of the road. Cocktail hour should be around an hour unless, you know, if you're doing an Orthodox Jewish wedding, for example, there's all these other rituals involved that are in the cocktail hour. So an hour and a half. But what it shouldn't be is the guests should not be kept from being seated because the bride and groom are taking their photographs like that really That's sucks. No, no. And yeah. so I don't care what they have to do to, you know, truncate their shot list, but absolutely you can't because that causes not only drunk and miserable people, but resentment. 
you know? Yeah. So an hour cocktail, then what? And then I think dinner service, I mean, my favorite party, if I were getting married again, would be an hour and 20 minutes is pretty much three course dinner. That's it. Background music, fabulous background music, not elevator music, something clever, innovative, and and then kick-ass dancing after that. So you have people who don't love to dance or people who want to drink good wines, eat good food, talk to the people at their table, get an hour and 20 minutes to do that. And the kids, as soon as they're finished eating, get to have this crazy, fabulous dance party. And I think it makes everyone happy. So two and a half hours, three hours max. And what's the rule of the bride and the groom going to see everyone? If you have 300 people, how could they possibly spend, if they spend a minute with each person, that's 300 minutes and there's no, there's no time. What do you do? It's ridiculous. So I remember, you know, when I started one of my first big jobs, maybe three years in was Nelson Rockefeller's granddaughter. And I remember Stephen Rockefeller, the bride's father, insisting on a receiving line. Of course, I had never heard of such a thing. I had to go look up Emily Post. Well, I was like, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. And I was so perplexed. I was like, well, 300 guests, right, a minute, 30 seconds of person. How do you do it? Endless. And as it turns out, it was endless. But in a social, you know, certain social strata, they, they were used to it. They were like, well, get on the receiving line, you know. It's like, Jesus. So... One of the reasons to have a rehearsal dinner, you get to say hello to a lot of people there. And I personally, even though it used to be considered, you know, I guess sort of gauche, I don't know why, I like the bride and groom to give a toast at their wedding. I know you do when you cut the cake and then say, you know, how much we love all of you. We really wanted to have fun at our wedding. We hope you had fun. So that's why we didn't trek around to all the tables, but please know that that doesn't mean that we love you any less. Yeah. You know? No, but 300 minutes, 300 guests, it would be two and a half hours. It would, you wouldn't get a chance to dance. Okay, so we're, we're done with the wedding. We're escorting people. People are leaving. So are we giving, is this today at 2021, is there something, is there a, a gift giving to the, is it, do the guests get something to take with them? Is that something that's chic today? I love to give something, you know, if it's financially feasible, but I love to give something edible. I think, you know, especially drunk people getting in their cars or getting some, you know, hopefully with a driver are like dying for something to eat. Like you get in the car, you're like, oh, I'm still hungry. I've been dancing, you know, something, yeah. something fabulous. I don't believe in giving candles or splits of like cheap champagne or a bunch of other crap, but I think the uh, something fabulous, like a coffee cake or, mm. you know, one of the best things we've done, which is people who are not having a next day brunch, which I understand completely. Everyone looks hungover and miserable. We did a breakfast to go. So you got, you had a little Bloody Mary kit and you got to choose, like, did you want a bunch of bagels? Do you want some smoked salmon? Do you want some uh, croissant or whatever? And you put your little bag together We put, and people were like, I, I got notes from the guests on that because so things like that, I think people appreciate. Or if there's something truly, truly special. When Joe Baum opened the Rainbow Room, I mean, this mm-hmm. is, God, what year was that? 1990, you know, the second incarnation. And they had that giant Chihuly sculpture there. And I still have it on. I think it's back here on my bookshelf. So everyone got in a little bag, a little piece of Chihuly glass. Wow. To me, it's all of these little crumbs. Wow. 
Did you see the invitation? Wow. Did you see the cut? Did you see the drink? Did you see the bartenders they have here? Did you, did you see the band? And all these little things are going to add up at the end of the day. You don't know how it quite the zeitgeist happens, but I tell people it's not one thing. It's a bunch of nickels. You string them together and you got like 20 bucks. And, it, and it's alchemy. It is alchemy. I cannot tell you something so simple and so you would think, you know, so easy not to overlook. Things like that make all the difference. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. For our fourth and final course, I got to speak with Marcy about how COVID changed her business. From a tide of wedding cancellations last year to the flurry of ceremonies this spring and summer, the event planning industry has been through a lot. I wanted to know how Marcy is dealing with that whiplash and whether the pandemic changed what her clients are looking for. So I've been watching, I mean, just taking an inventory on this industry is kind of fascinating. And 
I mean, this the last two years, what's happened is a. I mean, it was going gangbusters before. So we've had this sudden pause in the world. Now everybody wants to get back in the world. And it's not just that one, one, you know, city coming back on its feet. It's, it's 180 countries are now trying to sort of like into some sort of spin control and get back to normal. So what has happened to you and your business in a, in a global sense? And how are you dealing with it? Because I can barely... We are so swamped that for the first time in my career, I'm turning down business and I'm turning down business that I would have always wanted. We just can't do it. And, and if a client complains, I'm not paying enough attention. I was like, well, you could fire me and hire somebody else, but we're all in the same boat because everyone, everyone I know of any quality is absolutely slammed. And so much so that we usually help each other. We can't even help each other. And we're just hiring off the street. You know, it's really, it's crazy. And people made a lot of money last year. Not only was were people shut in the house, they also made a lot of money in the stock market. So wealthy people have money and they want to spend it. They want to celebrate. They want to see their friends. They want to see their family. They want to do something special. They want to treat people. So coming out of the woodwork, I, I've never, you know, jobs that I would ordinarily sit around going, oh, if I could only get that, I'm like, I'm not sure we can do it. It's 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 really wow. something. And I hope, I'm hoping it happens, you know, for the restaurant business and all our friends and every other business. I know travel is still struggling. The hotel business is still Terrible. I don't see it ending, quite frankly. I, I think that people's perspective on the shortness of life and the value of time is really hit home. And they're going to like, we're just going to, we're going to step back here and like, we're going to like spend a little bit more time, have some fun and like, screw it. A million. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, everybody I'm around, they're like, well, when the unemployment runs out, I was like, that's not it. It's a philosophical, really very, very, very integral philosophical change. And people who were working, if let's say a waiter was making 60 grand a year and he could now make 30 grand a year, but spend some time with his wife and kids or maybe surfing or wherever, at the end of the day is the $30,000 difference. Why not? Why not? Rather than working day and night. And I understand completely. If it's not what you love to do, I get it. What's the point? So what are people spending money on now? And what, what have you found they're asking for that you'd never would ever in a million years think that pre-pandemic they would ask for? Particularly those, those real over-the-top ones. What, what do they want now that they, you, you like, I don't understand, but we're going to give it to them. Headliner entertainment. I'm constantly getting calls. How much is Gaga? What do you think? You know? Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that goes that budget. <laughs> There's no budget at that point to get Gaga. Yeah. Well, you know, people, even very, very, very rich people have no sense of what anything costs, you know. So they went, what, what would that be, a million? I was like, you're kidding, right? Kidding. I'm a million. A Gaga's probably 10 million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So headline entertainment. Like, so bringing a band, whatever, whatever, whoever they want, Harry Styles, you name it, it doesn't really matter. And there is nobody, uh, everybody's doing an after party. Everybody's doing an after party, which started maybe five years ago, pre-pandemic. But the guest lists are growing exponentially. People are now, I want to see everybody I've ever known. <laughs> no one is. Uh, so not to the wedding, just the after party. So there's two events. No, no, no. To the wedding itself and to the it's after party. the same party. event. Invite, the guest lists are growing, 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 growing. I, you know, all our weddings are 300, 400 people. 
400 people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people are paying more attention, which is a good thing, to the ceremony, I think. There really? Is that, that spirituality that I get to your point, everyone sort of really felt their own mortality last year for sure, right? And when we do a destination wedding now, you know, it's tricky because you have to plan everything by the airline schedules and when people yeah. are leaving. So sometimes we have to do not only next day brunch, but like a day after dinner or something for the guests who are still there because they're not flying out and you can't just leave them to their own devices. So food-wise, I want to know... What has changed food? I mean, a lot's changed, but what people want right now that you're like, wow, they, I, again with that, again, I just can't believe it. And I'm so shocked at how we're, we're now serving this where I never would have served this and I never would have thought this would have gone. Short ribs, which you would have considered such a, such a peasant dish years ago. I would say nine out of 10, certainly fall and winter events, weddings, even corporate events, anything. Short ribs is the winner, you know, because they finally, people have finally realized what you and I knew forever, that filet mignon has, you know, no flavor unless it's extraordinary, right? And and the combo platter of the flavor, the texture, the the wonderful, you know, aromas, everything. So a lot, people love short ribs. They love the polenta or, you know, wonderful mashed potatoes with it. It's, It's a very earthy, comforting dish that could still you know, be elevated to look fabulous for a party or a wedding. You're a busy lady. I just saw you three weeks ago and I could see it in your, in your expression, in your, your bodily. My panicked uh, look. You were panicked because you're always in a heightened sense, but you are extremely heightened having someone call you and say, I want to do the most over the top, blah, blah, blah. There is, what do I have to do? It must be the most significantly stressful moment for a couple of reasons. I would imagine it's stressful because your left side of your brain is organizing how it's going to happen. What's all the, you know, who's going to do this? Who am I going to get to do that? Whom, where are the resources coming from? The right side is the, the impact trauma of like how we're going to be different and how is it going to all work and where we're going to grab from what's something we haven't done before. And I would say the merging of those two produces such a stress <laughs> that I would love to know how you handle that stress and and how you compartmentalize many, many million things at the same time. I think you're absolutely right. It's very similar to opening a restaurant or uh, embarking on any artistic project. And I think people go about it two different possible ways. And the way I go about it is Let's start with the fantasy before we before we figure out if it's doable, if it's affordable, if it's logistically possible. Or say, what, what what's your wildest dream? If you could have anything, the same way you're supposed to go about life, right? What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? So the same thing for approaching an event. And then take that and see how close you can come to that vision. But that doesn't describe how you handle the stress. That just gave me more stress. <laughs> now you're like, now you're setting yourself up for like, you're letting someone down on her day, her big day. Oh, or don't his remind big day. me. So, and particularly this year, it's extremely stressful. Unfortunately, 
I think those of us who are, you know, have a modicum of success in it are partially because we care so much. So there's no way to mitigate it. I mean, you can meditate, you can uh, drink a little, you can work out, you know, all the all the things that help. But at the end of the day, you know, I will still wake up at four o'clock in the morning. It's like actor's nightmares. Like, what about the escort cards? What about the place cards? Even though they're ordered, it's just, it's, it's in your DNA at that point. You are so fantastic. I could talk to you. We need cocktails, but I, I could talk to you for hours. I have so many more questions, maybe another time, but thank you so much for your time. It's been delightful as always. I, I can't wait to see you again. Yep, soon. In whatever state we're in. <laughs> I know. And uh, have a terrific time. Thank you, Marcy. Thanks, Jeffrey. Take care. All right. Bye, love. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian, a production of iHeartRadio and Corner Table Entertainment. Four Courses is created by Jeffrey Zakarian, Margaret Zakarian, Jared Keller, and Tara Halper. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis. Four Courses is produced by Jonathan Hawes Dressler. Our research is conducted by Jesselyn Shields. Our talent booking is by Pamela Bauer at Dogtown Talent. This episode was edited and written by Priya Madhavan and mixed by Joe Tisdall. Special thanks to Katie Feldman and Marcy Bloom for help as recording engineers. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.